Well, welcome back to Two Pastors and a Mic. My name is Shanik. And I'm Corey. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this week's podcast. Crazy thing, just very quickly. So I was just told, I got an email this morning that we are Two Pastors and a Mic, the 158th rated religious and spirituality podcast in the nation of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> so here's the deal. If people are listening there, you for sure can share it, text it to a friend today. What does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It was awesome, but I have no idea what that means. We're listened to in a heavy Islamic nation. Come yeah. on, somebody. So if we got like two listens, that pushes us up to 158. <laughs> <laughs> Top 10. I thought you were about to say like 158th in, a, in like, that category that would have been like crazy it was just in that category but just for that country so we appreciate you listening if you haven't already leave a review share this with your friends on socials text message we appreciate all of your love and support this week's question of the week if you weren't a pastor what would you be doing so i'm gonna go twofold real quick because right away i I instantly go to man i would be the best bartender in southern indiana (laughs) louisville I, i swear my personality I love to You'd be make great people smile. I have great communication skills, um, man, and I can make a mean drink. I just really can. And but the problem is, I would not do that because I think you would, or I would have to be like second shift, and I just ain't about that life. Not with four boys, I couldn't do it. And so I would be in real estate. I would either be an agent. I would also remodel homes. Um, I would just be in what the else real estate would you do? world. You clearly thought about this. <laughs> Well, no, (laughs) no, it's just something that I'm just thinking very quickly of things that I would enjoy doing because I enjoy them now. But here's the thing, like, um, I enjoy those things now because they're kind of hobbies, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not relying on those things for a paycheck. Um, but I will say too, because we did get asked that question, what would we do if we weren't pastors for a job? But I would still be pastoring because honestly, and I know this is going to sound cliche and all this other stuff, but but it's true. It's not a job. Like I'm going to be pastoring no matter if I'm getting a paycheck from a church organization or not. It's what I do. I oversee, I care for. You'd be the pastor of the bar. You'd be a pastor of the real estate market. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully real quick to our listeners, you can take that for yourself. Being a pastor isn't just someone who gets paid to preach on Sundays you can be the pastor of the Starbucks you work at. You can be the pastor of your office. You can be the pastor of the school and the classroom and the environment you're in. Whatever it is, you can oversee pastor. You can flow prophetically. You don't have to make it all Christian weird. Yeah. Just love people. That's all it's about. Simple. What about you? I I got asked this question last night too by uh, my college roommates. We were on a Zoom call just catching up and I don't know what I do. I, I get super frustrated by this question because I have no idea what I do. I don't have the skills like you have in terms of I'd love to get into real estate, but I don't know if I'd be good at that or bartending. That sounds great. What, Hill City Hill City Bar and Hill City Real Estate? Eh, I don't know. Who's going to do it? I don't know what I would do. Yeah. I, I, would, I would also open up, oh man, I would open up a, uh, <laughs> a venue that is uh, like a winery that is a collaboration because there are so many good like mom and pop wineries around the Southern Indiana area. And they make very good wine. They're very knowledgeable. And I would love to have this atmosphere where we can collab and kind of let people know how great of like a wine kind of industry we have here in Southern Indiana. And then I would have some brick oven pizzas. Oh, I've planned this, that thing out for yeah, sure. Yeah, you that have might thought happen. about this. Oh yeah. 
Let's make it happen. Yeah, let's do it. If you uh, got the connections, contact <laughs> us. <laughs> Moving on from Pat, just kidding. I don't know. I, yeah, like you said, I think I'll always be doing some type of pastoral ministry, whether I'm getting paid by the church or not. So to figure out the side hustle that can support my family. That's it. It's stressful for me to think about. Oh. All right, week three. <laughs> yeah, this week. So we, we've talked hurry. about you know the problem of hurry part one and the solution to hurry part two over the last two weeks. Um, but we're going to be splitting part three of the book into in half this week and next week. Yep. This week, uh, we're going to be focusing on silence and solitude and the Sabbath. Next week, we're going to talk about the simplicity and slowing. And so like we've said each week, this topic is so important because when we remove hurry from our schedules and slow down to align with our values, we gain peace. And I, I think that peace is the overarching thing of why I'm a Christian and and why I continue to pursue Jesus. Right. Uh, today's topic, however, is the most challenging, exciting, thought-provoking, in my opinion, of the entire book. And I'm actually really excited to talk about it. It, it was this section of the book that I actually told you about the book and was right. like, hey, you got to get this book. It. Yep. And it, it ultimately inspired us to go through it two years ago as a church over Facebook Live when we were shut down, and then to go through it again on this podcast to do four episodes of The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. So Right. So silence and solitude. And I remember this conversation because I, I not only did have this, but I continue to have an obsession with my phone. Mm-hmm. I have a very addictive personality. So a lot, I have to be doing things all the time. Like my mind wanders and races and I got to be fidgeting with something or working on something uh, to keep my mind occupied. And with a phone, it's just very easy to scroll and thumb through and grab for it. Every little second that you get. Matter of fact, um, I know, uh, I know the author, he actually said that the second that we feel a hint of boredom, com- boredom coming on, we reach for our phone and that is so me yeah. like it, it is it is disturbing how much I reach for my phone yeah he says it on the very next page on 121 he says this new normal of a hurried digital distraction is robbing us from the ability to be present and so wh- where are you the worst at in touching your phone oh when I'm driving <laughs> Wait. it's so bad but <laughs> I am illegal I, well I get that the cool thing is I got this little <laughs> holder so I don't necessarily have to touch it, but it is distracting me a little bit, but I can do, you know, talk to text and all of that. But if I get stopped at a red light, you reach for your phone, I reach my phone and it's like, okay, realistically, if I get to the red light, as soon as it turns red, how long am I waiting? Yeah. 15 seconds maybe, but I have to fill it with something. So you reach for the phone. I reach for my phone. I mean, I'm judging you hardcore, but I'm just as bad. Anytime a commercial comes on, which what commercials are, it, I'm only are watching, watching commercials, commercials when I'm watching sports. Event. Yep. But as soon as the commercial comes on, reaching for my phone, and then I'll find myself missing the next, and, until the next commercial. I'll be on my phone still, right. like TikTok or whatever. And yeah, I've, I'll, I'll do this with my wife when we're watching a TV show. If it's a show that I'm not interested in after you know the first 5, 10, 15 minutes, I'm checked out. Okay, reaching for my phone. Julia will consistently say in our marriage, put down your phone. Watch this with me. I'm like, oh, this stop. This sucks. Like, this is stupid. I don't want to right. watch this. Yeah, I, I have a, an addiction to my phone is I'm always on yeah. it. And then it's like, <laughs> so if I get out my phone or if I get a text message, this is why this focus thing on the new Apple updates is so important. Because if I get a buzz, I'm looking at it, uh, text message, okay, scroll out, 
click on Facebook. Do I have any notifications? Scroll out. Instagram, any notifications? Scroll out. Yep. ESPN. And now I'm like four or five different yeah. apps before. So and one, one little thing makes one you little, go through the whole routine. Three or four minutes. Yep. And then I'm like, what am I doing? Like, get yeah. off this stuff. I get yeah. it. I know we both have a hard time to just really just sit in silence or just sit when there's nothing going on where we're not yeah. actively doing or pursuing something. And I know for me, um, years ago, I heard this quote that this guy just said, be where your feet are. Mm-hmm. And at first I'm like, what do you mean? You are where your feet, where you, where your feet is. Sure. That's really weird to say. You anyway, are where your feet are. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, wait, what's going on? But the older I get and the more I'm on my phone and everything else, I really get what he was saying. Like yeah. be present in the moment. Be and present. Yeah, that's just something that I continually have to work on. It's been like our phrase. Yeah, not just at at work, but with our lives and with our kids. So important. Yeah, yeah, and I know, man. What's so funny about this, especially when it comes to our phones? um, He actually says, and if you're following along with us in the book, um, it's page one twenty two. But he says to go along the with the idea of silence and solitude, and even reaching for our phones when we have just that spare second. He says that we have now created in ourselves the attention span that is shorter than what a goldfish has. Which is, th- that <laughs> sentence is mind-boggling because how do they even know that? I don't know. How can they even compare it? And how yeah. long? I think in the book he talks about yeah, like goldfish, like ten seconds or yeah, something. Maybe like that. seven seconds. Seven or seconds. Something like that. Our attention span is worse than that. That's. That's comical, but it's also embarrassing. It's also challenging. Like yeah. why? Well, because he talks about it in media. Like we're watching television programs, and that's why there has to be the constant shift in scenes or even camera angles. And if it's not, then we lose attention. Yeah, like I believe in it. Seven to ten seconds. Because that's why we do it in our church services. The constant moving of the camera scene is yep. so to keep focus. They. This is comical. I don't know if it's true, but I saw it on TikTok. They said some science, you know, family person got on, uh, has their own TikTok channel and they were talking about how bad cocoa melon is for our kids. And so if we're bad with attention spans, like it's creating it in the kids. Like if you watch cocoa melon episode, it changes like every four seconds. Oh, and it's never seen so, an episode, it's but... so, well, you don't have young kids, but no. it's so quick. And like, she was relating it to like a, a drug stimulation hmm. and yeah. they're teaching the kids at this age. I don't know how much of that is true, but it's like, Man, if I'm bad with attention span, imagine how bad it is for our kids because it's the world they grow up in. I know like for me, he said on page 134, he was talking about the difference between solitude and isolation. And he said, solitude is engagement and safety. Isolation is escape and danger. Loneliness is inner emptiness. Solitude is inner fulfillment. And so ultimately, you know, solitude is being intentional. And I've tried to do this regularly in my day. That's, I know we've done it together with, you know, the 2 p.m. alarm. We have an alarm that goes off on our phone every 2 p.m. And it's just a refocused, recenter. I usually am looking out the window, working on my breathing for 60 seconds, or just trying to, you know, contemplate life, slow down, and and so that the rest of my day is better. But yeah, I have a hard time with the silence and solitude. Yeah, and we've just created within our culture, like busy is okay and busy is normal. And so we don't necessarily have time, we think, for silence and solitude, but... What we're trying to say is you don't have time not to have the time to do this because uh, like if you even look at Jesus, if we're following his example all throughout the Gospels, basically the busier and more in demand and famous Jesus became, the more he withdrew to his quiet place to pray. This Aramoas place, this isolation and this place of solitude. 
And for him, it was all about that time with his, with his father. And I was even personally challenged with this because he says on uh, page 136, he said to a child, right? Because he's talking about Jesus in terms of him being a son of the father. But then he said to a child, love is spelled T-I-M-E. Mm. It's time. And thinking about that with my own kids and my life, like do I give not only them, but people adequate attention or time, or am I living too distracted? Yeah. So we have to really though, figure out what works for us. I know, you know, we had the alarms on our phone at 2 PM with this new focus. Um, what is it? Not an app or a update update, um, on a, the Apple iOS system. You can be intentional about it, but you have to kind of figure out what rhythm yeah. works, works for you and your family to find that si- silence and solitude for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you have to. Again, you got to figure out what works for you. Contemplate that. Talk with some people who are close to you. Uh, how can you give yourself? And again, we're not saying, oh, like Jesus, you need to go to a mountainside and pray for 20, 30 minutes or whatnot. How about you just yeah. start with 60 seconds throughout your yeah. day or start But with, you might need to do that. Matter of fact, I'm just reminded right now, a good friend of ours, Chris, he was contemplating a major life change in his career. Yeah. And he's like, man, I, I feel like I'm at half the halfway point of my life. I'm about 40 years old. I want to really set myself up where I'm living my second half of life better than I did my first. You know what? I need to get away for a couple of days. So he literally paid for a couple of nights in a hotel, mm-hmm. you know, went a couple hours away and just got all away from all the distractions here. So he could just sit in silence and solitude when he came back. He's like, I didn't really hear anything profound. I don't know what I got, but uh, I was very intentional with that moment. And I got a few things and he made a decision and he's walking it out but he felt the need to make that a priority in his mm-hmm. life. And so yeah. find what works for you. It could be yeah. something small. Maybe you need to get away in isolation for a couple of days. Like it could be either one yeah, or whatever in between. For sure. You, again, you have to figure out what works for you. But then he shifts in this book to talking about the Sabbath. And we have a lot of opinions about this word and what it means for the people individually. We're going to talk about some aspects that he shares in the book. It it was an extremely challenging section. I remember while reading this book, uh, I've never really taken a Sabbath. I recognized, you know, they, they, cause he says that they're not the same as taking a day off. Like if you, uh, like our Mondays are our day off, but Mondays are filled with, for me, grocery shopping, you know, getting, getting other stuff done around the house that I don't have time to the rest of the week. Um, I have like a to-do list every Monday, so it's not really super restful, but at the same time, I don't know really how to rest if we're being honest. Yeah. No, I mean, (laughs) I struggled with it that I think that's why maybe we don't like this idea of Sabbath because we don't know how to take a real rest. Like and Sabbath, just even that word, it means to stop. It means stop working, stop wanting, stop worrying, like stop in every area of life. And we're so used to being on the go that we really don't know how to stop in our life. Yeah. I, I struggle with it. Don't you? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I, I really, um, I'm the same as you. Like I have Mondays off, but I have my checklist of things I need to get done. Saturdays are a day where like we are very busy with, with sports and schedules with the boys. And so, I mean, Sunday we Sunday have services like, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I nap like every Sunday about two, two or three o'clock. Hey, there's some rest <laughs> for like an hour, but it's just cause I, you know, I, I, I was focused on really pouring out for yeah. four to five hours straight. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I really struggle with this big time too. But I like how he explains it. He talks about this on 155. He says, the Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. Doing things that don't bring delight is not taking a Sabbath. And honestly, this does take some discipline and some intentionality. We've been talking about that this whole episode. But, you know, as he talked about exactly what a Sabbath is and how we should carve out some time and it's more about rest and enter delight, I think it's really important to contemplate. You know, we both said that we were going to try new things uh, when we did this two years ago. And I know one of them was, hey, I'm going to turn off my phone for 24 hours. I've yet to do that. I, I think I did it for like two straight weeks. And I was like, eh, I need my phone in case of an emergency or in case someone needs to contact me. And I got out of that rhythm real quick. Not even, I wasn't even in it long enough to build up a rhythm. And so that was a complete fail. I don't, maybe I should just start a little bit smaller than 24 hours and just turn it off for like, six hours, whether that be, you know, from the time yeah. I get home on Friday to sat or maybe. Well, you've yeah. mentioned the do not disturb. So you, you, you've been pretty intentional. I have been a little and bit. that kind of turns your phone off. I need, I need to do it more. <laughs> I need to do it more. I need yeah. to figure out what works for me. But yeah. we also said two years ago, we were going to start doing like a team night. Cause he talks about in the book, how every Friday night he turns off his phone for 24 hours and Friday nights are like family fun, no, no electronics. They eat a good meal and they do fun, like board games as a family. It's really intentional. I was like, oh man, that's so awesome. We should do that as a team. Cause again, maybe I was unsatisfied with just my family. And we started this actually. And it's been one of my favorite things we've ever done. A year yeah. and a half ago, we started getting first Fridays, first Fridays, first Fridays of every month. Our team gets together either mostly at your house, but sometimes other places, depending on us, we eat good food, we play games together, and it's just real intentional time to hang out. And it has been one of my favorite things that we have done. So we are applying some of this. Yeah. But again, you have to figure out what works for you. And, and it was a, an ex, if, if you read this section of the book, it's just extremely challenging. We really want you to contemplate and then maybe, yeah, let's have a conversation about it because it's it's helpful. It really right. is. And, and one of the things that really, like I've never been a huge person who wants to pursue Sabbath um, honestly, and, and we might talk about this later, I just feel like the Sabbath isn't like a day. The Sabbath is a person, yeah. right? Because Jesus is the one who gives real rest. For sure. Um, and so we can talk about how that gets incorporated in our everyday life, not just, you know, traditionally taking a day. Um, but what I loved is he talked about how the Sabbath is blessed. Mm-hmm. And in the Genesis story, there's only three things that are blessed by God. It's the animal kingdom, humanity, and then the Sabbath. Those mm-hmm. the, those three things are blessed. And so he talked about how it means that the Sabbath, just like an animal or a human being, has the life-giving capacity to procreate, mm-hmm. right? To produce more, right? To, to fill this world up with more life. The Sabbath does the same. It has the ability to give life to fill the world up with more life as we rest. Mm -hmm. You know, some people think, well, you're not doing anything. So you're retreating from life. You're taking a break from life, but really it, he talks about how it's the thing that helps you be able to produce at a high level, the other six days of the week, if you will. So, so yeah. How are you filling up the world with more life? Not just literally, but figuratively. He says uh, so a lot of good things. I, I, I underlined a lot of one-liners on page 160, 161, 162. He says this, remember that life as it comes to us is a gift. Remember to take time to delight in it as an act of grateful worship. And remember to be present to the moment and its joys. The Sabbath isn't the same thing as a day off. He, remember he said this, he says, on the Sabbath, all we do is rest and worship. And, and again, you have to figure out what exactly 
that is and what that looks like for you. And on page 162, he says this, anything to index your heart towards grateful recognition of God's reality and goodness. That's the Sabbath. And I just, I love those, that, that, that perspective, that thought process. So maybe the Sabbath for you isn't just an entire day to start. Maybe it's just, hey, I'm going to focus on, you know, the first five minutes, just be grateful every single day and allow that to inspire you to a life of gratitude. Yeah. And we should be grateful. And I remember the one thing that he talked about that was so challenging Yeah, um, is how he tied like the empire that is America today with the Egyptian empire of, you know, way back in history, you know, when they were building pyramids and on all of that. And he talked about how in that culture in, in Egypt and how it became this period, this uh, empire. And he said that Egypt built storehouses for food, but in America, it's very similar because we build storage units for stuff. <laughs> so in fact, storage, the storage unit industry is a 38 billion with, with a, a B, B billion dollar industry. And then he actually goes in, if you look at the book it, on page 167, there's this illustration and he shows this wealth pyramid, pyramid which reveals that the top 8.6% of the world's population actually owns 85.6% of the wealth in the world, which crazy. is crazy. And then he says, odds are, if you're reading this book, you're near the top, not the bottom. And that is true. I would say most people if you're in America yeah, is in right that top, top 10% of the richest people in the world. But he said, that's the tricky thing about Egypt. It's hell if you're a slave, but it's not half bad if you're an American. Uh, I mean, Egyptian. Mm -hmm. And like how he just changes that dagger. just like a freaking <laughs> dagger. It was like, oh, yeah, man. It's interesting to con contemplate. Honestly, it was, yeah. this, this chapter gave us a lot of conversation. And well, and, and he brings this point out because we think that we have to continually strive. We got to get ahead, right? Mm -hmm. It's a dog eat dog world out there. We have to have the side hustle, right? We have mm -hmm. to have all these things filling up our life and our calendar so that we can get ahead and be successful. But he's like, man, at what cost? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And lastly, he gives this example of what he does on the Sabbath. Cause I, I love when people challenge you and then it's like, okay, give us some examples of what you do. And uh, real simply, he does this. He doesn't buy, he doesn't sell, he doesn't shop, he doesn't surf the web, he doesn't read a magazine. I just put all of that away and I enjoy. I drink deeply from the well of ordinary life. A meal with a friend, time with family, a walk in the forest, afternoon tea. Above all, I slow down long enough to enjoy life with God, who offers everything that materialism promises but can never deliver on, namely contentment. And again, when it comes to this topic, you'll have to figure out what works for you. It's not just about slowing down for one day, but how can we structure our lives or how can we structure a Sabbath as well as slowing down for the whole week? And I love, I love that thought perspective because again, yeah, in the new covenant, we are the Sabbath because we yeah. have Jesus in us. Yeah. And how can we be slow enough to just embrace yeah. that life. Because it's not about finding a balance. Oh, yeah. well, now I'm way over here and I can recognize it, especially after going through this book. Oh man, I need a day of silence and solitude. Oh my gosh, here it is. Here's the, here's the answer. I need to take an entire day and make it a Sabbath and put all these rules and everything else. That's yeah. really not what we're saying. Instead of a, trying to find some balance that pulls you back, you just got to find the rhythm for your life. And the rhythm of grace, the rhythm of life. Yeah. And ultimately that's what, is important because at the end of the day, you have to answer the question, what if ordinary life is enough? Pin drop. Hmm.
Well, there you have it. Ordinary life. Is it enough for you? And with that, hopefully you'll join us next week as we close out this series on the ruthless elimination of hurry. But until then, just know you're loved and there's nothing you can do about it.